The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. What's up, Lightersburg Campus? How y'all doing? You don't have to answer that. That's one of those just rhetorical, like, how you doing? Okay, you're good. You're fine. Um, I bring you greetings from the Wilson campus. I do not get to be over here as much as I would love to. Like Caleb said, this is my campus. This is where I fell in love with Lifehouse. It's also because I love this cinema. I mean, I got my tickets for Jurassic Park this afternoon. Like, I just love this place, straight up. Anybody else seen? Okay, I'm gonna take you off topic. Um, but listen, uh, I am just privileged to be able to be the one to um, take you against the elements this week, uh, to take you under the sea. You see that? Because you can't just say it regular, like under the sea. You gotta say under the sea. I mean, so we're going under the sea this week. And who knew? <laughs> who knew that the giant octopus? the villain of like black and white sailor movies was like this tender, caring mother, right? This selfless, sacrificial, gentle mom. When it's like a stark contrast, if you think about it, to undersea life, to something like say, I don't wanna bring him up because I know we're all booking vacations right now to the beach, but like compared to like a shark, you know, where we know that like the shark has one agenda, get, consume, eat, I have teeth, you know, you know what I mean? Like that's their whole reason for living. Occasionally they stop and make another shark. And then when that shark is born, like it's on its own. Like you think about the, the mother octopus, how they're, she's there caring for each of the little eggs, singing them an underwater nursery rhyme, like little mermaid songs, you know what I mean? You know, like, but the shark is just go, back to eating. And back to the bite. But whereas a mother octopus won't even have a bite the entire time that she's building the nursery all the way to the point that she will willingly give up her own life for the sake of these children, right? It's crazy, and I'm not trying to paint the shark as like the villain, because I think sharks are cool from this side of the aquarium glass. You know what I mean? You know, like, I think sharks are really, really neat, but they're not the villain. They're just doing what God designed them to do. So is the mother octopus. And as we've been going throughout this series against the elements and we've been looking and what animals do to thrive against their environment, we can take like neat characteristics from them and learn from them, but they, they have to do that. The thing that's cool about us, you know, although we can learn from them, is that we were designed with a choice. They don't have a choice. A shark probably can't change and say, you know, I think I'm just gonna be a stay-at-home mom. Like a shark can't do that. God designed him to go eat everything that we don't like in the ocean, and sometimes us, you know, that's an accident. But he can never change that. But we can. We were given a distinct choice. And what we're gonna to see today as we've been going throughout the book of Daniel, we've been going through the book of Daniel for this series against the elements, and we're gonna be in Daniel chapter five today. And today you're gonna to see, and our characters in the story, you're gonna see this contrast of a life of, of a shark, right? Like going after, getting what I can, even at somebody else's expense, versus this, I will give my life up for somebody else's. We're gonna see that. So before we get in there, let me just give you a little bit of background. If you haven't been with us throughout this series, if you're just joining us, welcome. If you're a guest, welcome. Big shout out to you. Make sure we get a chance to meet you. I know I'm plugging starting point, but this is what I gotta do like every weekend. But it's because I love guests. So make sure if you are here and you're a guest that you let us meet you at starting point. I'll be out there. You can tell me how bad this was, but just let us get the chance to meet you. But anyway, 
in the book of Daniel, there was this powerful, this is like in 600 BC, there was a powerful force by the, by the kingdom of Babylon. They were the Golden State Warriors. They were unstoppable and they could sweep anybody. So they came through and they swept through Judah and they took God's people, the Israelites. They took them back to their country, Babylon. And while they were there, they said, we're not just going to waste all this talent we have around here. We're going to start this little internship program. So Daniel and his squad, all right, they were brought on board. They were put in the internship program. And when they were brought on board, the whole mission was to like completely indoctrinate them, to give them their new culture, to make them start saying, my pleasure, my pleasure. It's like, you're, like if you work at Chick-fil-A, like you're t you, you go home the night staying, my pleasure. My, all right, that's what they were trying to do was indoctrinate them into their culture. So they wanted to teach them their ways and give them their names. And while they were there, Daniel and his team, they had to learn how to stand up and go against the elements. They had to learn how to stand out and stand up for what they believed in. The first thing they said no to was they weren't going to eat the golden corral diet that the king was giving to them. They said, no, we're just going to eat all these vegetables. The second thing was he built this giant statue to himself so they could all bow down to it, right? And they told him, we're not going to bow down to that. He said, okay, that's fine. I'm going to throw you in the fire. He throws them in the fire. They make it out because God saved them. Nebuchadnezzar's like, oh, your God is the greatest. They're like, yeah, we've been trying to tell you the whole time. Like, he finally gets it. So they prosper in this, in this kingdom of Babylon. They prosper against their elements. They're the, they're the home, I mean, the away team, but they have captured the hearts of the home team. And now King Nebuchadnezzar moves on and his son, Belshazzar, now steps into his place. Now you know what happens when the son comes in, right? He's not only royal, he's a royal pain. He's a brat. He's inherited everything. He hasn't lifted a, a finger in his life to, to work for anything, but he's raising the glass, living it up, right? He's on the cover of E! Magazine. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like he's living the life, living the dream on, at his father's expense. And not only that, he was, he was known for throwing like lavish parties. The Kardashians are there and the red carpet and E! Entertainment is there. You know what I mean? Like he was known for throwing these type of parties to himself. Only this one particular night he's throwing a party and he not only wants to turn up, he wants to turn way up. So he's like, yo, go get those gold goblets and cups that we took from Israel that were for their God. Oh, we're going to drink, we're going to drink holy tonight. Right, so they bring, they bring in God's articles. So now he's not only partying at like somebody else's hard work. Like he's living up the life in the face of God. Like do what I want, right? So they're there. They're at the party. It's completely packed. Just like around this room. It's completely packed with people and the who's who and the what's what. And all of a sudden, right? So speaking of going against the elements, this picture is like being out at a campfire because this is a campfire story. I'm telling you right now, this is a campfire story. So we're around a campfire, right? And here's what happens in verse five. Then suddenly, the fingers of a human hand appeared. <laughs> I mean, like the claw. <laughs> and anybody else seen like the Adams family? <laughs> so the, the fingers of it, like God could have did anything, but he's like, <laughs> All right, so the fingers of a human hand appeared. This is how I read the Bible. I'm sorry, you'll have to forgive me. <laughs> Y'all don't think God's mad at me. Okay, anyway, all right, listen. All right, so the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall near the lampstand in the royal palace. The king was watching as the hand wrote. And then the scriptures after say that he was terrified. This is where the term comes from. Looks like you've seen a ghost. Because it said he turned, he turned white and his knees were knocking. Oh, scoop. You know what I mean? Like he was afraid, like terrified. And so what you did in these times, whenever something came along that you could not interpret, 
you called like your Gandalf and your Harry Potter squad. So like he did that. He called all of his wizards and his magicians and those who could like interpret this stuff. And he called them in and none of them can get it. You know, they're analyzing it and like, like they don't get it. And so he, he kicks them out. He's frustrated. He's still afraid because not only has this hand crashed his party, but there's a message and what does it say? All right. So his queen comes in, slaps him around, says, pull yourself together. There's somebody in the kingdom who knows how to deal with this type of stuff. There's someone in the kingdom named Daniel. Your father knew him. He did this kind of stuff for your father. Get him in here. So he calls for Daniel. He brings Daniel in. And this is what he says to him in verse 16 and 17. Now, now watch this careful. This is where you're going to see it. This is where you're going to see this line, this contrast between these two mentalities of one that obviously is based upon we all need things and we all have to get things. I know you obviously want things. And one that says, I honestly think I'm good. There's something greater for myself. This is, this is where you're going to see it. Verse 16, the king tells him, if you can read this writing and tell me what it means, then you will be clothed in purple, given a gold chain placed around your neck, and you will be made third highest ruler in the kingdom. Now, again, this is how my mind thinks. You know what this is? This is a rap recording contract that he offered him. He's sitting across the desk, and he's like, we're going to put that leather Lakers jacket on you. We got the gold chain with the big B for Babylon. You're going to be number three in the Babylon charts. Like, he's, he's trying to give him the dream. You know what I mean? Like, living the life. He said, listen, I, I know you want all that. Sign your life right here. You know, you know what I'm saying? It's shady. This is what Daniel says to him. Then Daniel answered the king, you may keep your gifts. You can keep them for yourself. And you can give your rewards to someone else. Nevertheless, I will interpret the writing for the king and tell him what it means. Daniel, Daniel knew he was gifted. He knew he had a gift from God to see things and interpret things, something special. Time out and take a, take a quick inventory of your life, an honest one. What have you been given? You know who you are. You know what you're good at. You know what you love. You know where you've seen success in your life. You know where you've seen failures. What has God given you? This is, the, this is the overall first challenge of the day. This is the gratitude challenge. Because if you're sitting back there and you're saying, no, no, nothing, no, no, then you're not looking deep enough. And maybe you need to ask someone around you. God has given all of us something. Maybe something material. Maybe something spiritual. He's given all of us something spiritual. Maybe something emotional. Maybe something creative. But God has given all of us something. Some of us have been blessed enough that the very things God has given us, we've been able to make a living off of. Maybe you own a business. Maybe you've made your way. Maybe you're academically inclined, whatever. But you, you've been given something, and maybe you've been able to actually make a living off of it. Listen, praise God for that. That is, that is amazing. That's just one testament of God's provision. That something he gave you, you can make a living off of. That's, that's glory to God. Thank God for that. But Daniel, Daniel had a different mentality, and it's not that this way is wrong. Daniel had a different mentality. See, Daniel felt this way about his gifts. Daniel believed that his gift from God was for God first and foremost. Two things. First. Who gets it first? Like Bay, right? Before everybody else, you know, whatever. Like, who gets it first? And then who gets it foremost? Meaning, like, when it comes down to it, if there's a choice, who's going to win this? God or, 
or someone else. Daniel was dedicated to his gifts being first and foremost to God. And, and you, it, this is clearly seen because if he would have been making a living off of it, when the king had this crisis, he would have called Daniel first. He would have known Daniel owns DreamWorks downtown and you can pull up and get a number one dream interpretation with a fortune telling. Like He would have known that that's what Daniel did, but he didn't. He didn't have that. He dedicated it only to the call of God. And that's not to say that any of us that have been able to prosper through what God has given us is wrong. No, no, but we can take on the same mentality. Does God have access to what he's given you first? Does he have access to it foremost? When he tells the king that you can keep your gifts and your treasure, he essentially was telling him this. I know you think I'm the one in need here. Like, I'm not as high up as you. I don't have as much as you. And you probably think that I need all of that. He said no to it because he knew that he wasn't the one in need. The king was the one in need. And he knew that. And then surely we'll see when he, when he describes unto him what this, what this inscription meant, that he truly was the one in need. See, Daniel understood this. Daniel understood that our gain is our give. Our gain, what we truly Get and receive is only truly measured by what we're giving. Our gain is our give. When we give, when we, we gain when we give what matters most to God. And when we, when we give, we gain it in heaven where we can never lose it. When, when we give, we gain abundance over accumulation. Think about those words for a minute. Abundance kind of has this, this feeling of never running out, right? Abund I, have, I have all I ever will need. Whereas accumulation, accumulation has this sense of never, never stop running. I have to continue running to accumulate. When we realize that our gain is truly what we are giving away, we gain abundance over accumulation. So, before Daniel breaks this verse down to the king, he pulls him aside and he does one of these. Look, I knew your daddy, boy. He brings him out. He's like, I'm done. Let me tell you about your daddy. See, he tells him that, that King Nebuchadnezzar had this time in his life when he was the baller the same way. King Nebuchadnezzar looked around his kingdom and said, man, look at Look at all I have done. He's saying how great thou art to himself in the mirror. Like, how oh, great. Like, that's how he felt about everything that he had built. He looked around his kingdom with pride. Like, I'm the one that did this. I built this from the ground up. I started from the bottom. Now I'm here. Like, that's how he felt. And then God had to humble him. God had to take him aside. And in the scriptures, you can see, just read the, just read the book of Daniel right from the beginning. He takes him aside and he, he pulls him away from people and he, he brings him low to the ground. He basically, like another horror story character, he turns him into the wolf man. Like his hair grows long, he looked like an animal, and he made him crawl around on the ground and eat grass for seven years because he was full of pride until, this is what, this is what Daniel said. He said, but listen, listen, Belshazzar, your dad came to this point. In verse 21, it says, until he acknowledged that the most high God is sovereign over all kingdoms on the earth and that he sets over them anyone that he wishes. All gain is God's give. All of our gain is God's give. Nothing is ours. Listen, I, I, I get to go into like schools and 
sometimes do like motivational speaking to students, stuff like that. And I'm a big believer in like pushing people towards their dreams and go after it. You got all the principles. You got to work hard. You got to do it. Listen, it don't matter how hard you work. If God don't work harder, you got nothing, nothing. Everything that we have comes from God. Everything, every position we have, every opening that opened in our, in our, 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 our employment, any academic advancement we've made, anything we've created. Moms, big shout out to you. I'm a parent, so I saw what happens when kids come into the world. I know you did work there, but still God made it. God made that child. Amen. Everything, God, everything is his. There's nothing that don't have his, his tag on the inside of it. It's all him. And when we grasp a hold of that, that our gain, I mean, that, that all gain comes from God, when we grasp a hold of that, it makes, it that, mu it makes that much more sense to give it away when he tells us to. To give it back when he asks for it back. Not that God's being stingy. He's, he's a better investor than we are. That's what it is. There is no self-made. Some of us like to pat ourselves on the back or beat our chest that we've worked hard. You know what? Be proud of working hard. Be proud of going after it. Be proud of having integrity and doing things the right way. God would want you to do all of that, but at the end of the day, you give credit to his hand. Without him, it's nothing. There's, there is no self-made. As a matter of fact, there's only, there's only one thing that's self-made about all of us. And it's our sin. We have a self-made mess that we live in. That's self-made. But Jesus was the God-made answer. Let me, let me show you. I'm going to skip forward. I'm going to skip forward. I want to show you what the, what the writing on the wall said. In verse 25, it says this. This is the inscription that was written, and it says this, meanie, meanie, money mo, no. right? <laughs> I'm sorry, okay. <laughs> meanie, meanie, tekel, parson. So that's what the hand wrote on the wall. This is, this is what it meant, and this is in the scriptures. I'm not on the Harry Potter squad. I did not interpret it, so read it yourself. It's in the scripture. This is what it meant. The meanie, meanie part meant this. Daniel's talking to the king, and it says this. It meant your days have been numbered, and they're done. Your days have been numbered. The tekel part meant that you've been placed, not only is your days over now, but that life of yours is now placed on the scale, and you've been found wanting. That's the term in the Bible that means like you need something. You're not the heavy end of the scale. You're the light end in the air. You don't, you don't have as much weight as you thought, big boy. You don't measure up. You've been found wanting. And then the Parson part meant, meant the Medes and the Persians, the other people that surrounded the Babylon country. It meant that your kingdom, this sandcastle that you built that's about to slip through your fingers, is now going to be divided and given to the Medes and to the Persians. Everything that you thought has your name on it isn't even going to be yours. That's what that meant. And the Bible says that that night after the party, everybody's going home, he crashes in the bed, that assassins from the Medes and the Persians came in and killed him that night. And see, when I, when I see this, when I see this, this played out, this concept, I can't help but see, and this is probably because it's heavy on my heart because this is, this is my mission field and this is my community, but I've I seen this recently in the hip-hop community. 
I, I seen a terrible headline about a young rap artist, 20 years old, shot and killed at a robbery. And he was living this life at the top. At the top. What am I saying? I'm not saying that to be insensitive to the pain that this family's feeling. I'm saying that to be sensitive to us. There's nowhere on the scale of priority that our days won't be numbered. There will come a day when meanie meanie is written on the wall for us, and it's not because God's a meanie, it's because we messed it up. We have, we have driven ourselves into a place where death is surely going to come for us, and God knows the numbers of our days. We don't. We don't know when they could be. And when we come to that moment, our life too will be placed on the scale. And I hate to break the news, we're not going to measure up. Because the Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're not going to measure up. We're going to be placed on that scale and be found still in need of something. And then if we lived a life that was shark, that we just consumed and got what we could, then the very things that we built, once we're gone, we'll just be auctioned off and given away anyway, and no one will have any recollection of us being attached to them ever again. Good morning. If, if it weren't for Jesus. If it weren't for Jesus. See, that sin that we have, this spiritual infection that separates us from God, it separated us from God deeper than the darkest uncharted waters of the ocean. And Jesus said, I'll go full Jacques Cousteau and go and dive headfirst into their sin. And he came after us with his own, like a mother octopus laying aside her own life to care for these little children. Jesus laid everything he was aside to come into our mess, take our cross with our name on it, died, buried, and rose again so that anybody in this auditorium today could say yes to him today. And when we pray in just a little while, I'm going to ask you, do you want that? I'm deliberate about that. You can't leave here without saying yes to Jesus if you've never done it. And that's no pressure. That's just a promise that he wants you. He was willing to go to the depths of death for us. Do you know the name Otto Koning? If you've been in the church world for a while, you may have heard his name. He was a missionary in the 60s and 70s in New Guinea. And his people that he ministered to were a tribe of headhunters, like the head on the pole, you know what I mean? Like, that's, that's who he ministered to. And that wasn't even the part that was frustrating to him. He said that the part that was most frustrating to him was the fact that they were chronic thieves, that they would steal everything from him. He said one time they were missing the diaper pins, that you, that you hold the child's diaper together. They were in the ears of, like, the tribe. One time he was missing his favorite pen, New nose bone for one, you know, he took it out of, you know, for one of the people. Like, the most frustrating thing, though, that they would steal from him was pineapples. On the island, it took him three years to grow pineapples. And when they finally grew, gone. No pina coladas, gone. No upside down cake, gone. Like, they would, he never tasted a one for the longest time, and it made him bitter. And it made him angry, and he, he did everything. He bought a dog, he tried to put up policies, like all this stuff to try to prevent him from stealing what was his. And one day he heard a message that rocked his life. He realized that he was holding on to something that wasn't his anyway. And he made a decision, I'm going to give these back to God. So he, he went back to, the, to his house, he had the whole tribe out in front of him, and he told him, listen, they're not mine anymore. I gave them to God. 
They're gods. Murmurs. They're going, they confused them. And then the one that he talked to the most said, they're telling you that you have to get them back. I can't, I gave them to God. No, you have to get them back. See, they, they, they couldn't steal from a God. They, and even the ones who still tried to did, they would feel guilty and they would bring them back. They'd either try to sell them back to him or they would bring them back. He finally got to taste pineapples when he let them go. When he realized that they weren't his anyway. And this was the kicker. When he did that, he changed. When he let that whole thing go that he didn't have to war and fight for pineapple upside down cake, they could see a difference in him. One day, one of the tribes people said to him, oh, you, you must have become a Christian. No, wait, I, I am one. That's why I'm here. He's like, no, 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 no. No, you're one now. You're one now. What was he saying? He had been there the entire time trying to teach them what it was like to be a Jesus follower, but he could never show them because his hands were full of pineapples. I listen to a hip-hop group called Social Club, and they have a song that says, watch out for the pineapples. I'm telling you that, I tell you, watch out for the pineapples. What are the pineapples in your life that you, that you are fighting other people for, the very people you're supposed to be fighting for because your life just wants to hold on to something? Daniel tells him what the problem is, the reason why the king is in this demise. And this is what he says in verse 23. He says, it's because you praise the gods of silver and of gold of bronze, of iron, wood, and stone, which cannot see or hear or understand, but you did not honor God who holds in his hands your life and all your ways. See, when we don't live for something, or in this case, someone greater than ourselves, we will only live for the material around us. It will be our only indication of success and significance in our life. If that's all we're living for. But this verse says, you, you didn't honor the God who holds in his hands your life in all your ways. You know what that means? It means that even our very lives, not only our pineapples and the stuff that we possess is God's, our life is God's. Even if you're here today and you don't know that or claim that, I'm sorry, your life belongs to God. It has a lease that he will collect. It belongs to God. And if our life belongs to God, that means that our life can also be a sacrifice. Now, when I say the word sacrifice, I'm talking about someone sacrificing their life. You know, I, I love the fact that we're talking about this in June because June is perfectly, for this message, sandwiched between the end of May, Memorial Day, right, and 4th of July. The two, the two holidays that we celebrate, what one will give us, that sacrifice will give us liberty and freedom, right? So we, we, we can't actually talk about this part without me at least kind of acknowledging the life of a soldier. And I saw a story once, a true story about a soldier named Mike. He was an aspiring soldier. And he signed up for the military and he was excited. He ran, you know, home to tell his parents. And when he told his parents about it, he didn't get the that he expected. They were actually, I don't know if they were disappointed, but they were scared. They were scared. It wasn't like, hey, great. <laughs> you know, like, because what began was a dialogue because Mike didn't, Mike didn't just want to go to the military. Put me on the front line. I want to fight. That was his heart. So that scared his parents. 
So it began this dialogue over time that as the day progressed, when it would come to, that there would be this, this constant conversation about, are you sure about this? I mean, are you, do you really know what you're asking for? Are you sure you want this? Do you know what kind of thing, you know, as the day got closer, there was one particular conversation that got really, really heated between he and his dad. His dad begins to plead with him again, like, Mike, listen, I know that you think you want to do this, but you have no idea. I don't, you don't know what kind of things you're going to see over there, what kind of devastation, what kind of terror. You don't know the amount of sacrifice that's going to... He's like, Dad, no, listen, I know what all this is. I want it. I'm ready for this. I'm totally fine with all that. He said, no, listen, Mike, you don't understand. No, Dad, I do. I, arguing back and forth. Finally, his dad grabs a hold of him. He says, listen... You don't understand what I'm asking you. I'm not asking you if you're ready to go over there and see all of this. I'm asking you, are you ready to be it? Are you ready to be the sacrifice I'm talking about? See, at that moment, Mike froze. See, it was different. It wasn't one of these. It was, wait, what are you talking about? And the story says he, he, he had to lock himself in his room for three days in war back and forth because now the sacrifice was his own life. He didn't think about it that way at first. He locked himself in his room for three days and had to war with it. I'm asking you to take three minutes today. Like a father gripping a son, asking you, are you ready? Are you ready to be the sacrifice? And I know sacrifice is a word that scares us, so let me just bring some peace here for me. Look at this verse in Romans 12. This is what God's looking for with our life. Have people had to die to bring us the Bible? Yes. Have they had to die to advance the church? Yes. Will people still die today to advance the kingdom of God around tribal nations where they still have not heard it? Yes, people will give their lives. Maybe God's calling somebody in here. I don't know, but I know he's calling all of us to this, and hopefully this will bring you some peace but some inspiration to become a sacrifice. Listen to Romans 12, 1, it says this, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Go ahead, take a side. Okay, I wasn't trying to die, God. A living. Sometimes that's more painful than giving your life. A living sacrifice. Do you know what Memorial Day was first called? It was first called Decoration Day. Because what you would do is decorate the headstones of those who gave their lives. Decorating is a way of celebrating. If we are going to give our bodies, our life as a living sacrifice, that means it's worship. That means that our give is God's glory. Our give will be God's glory. And it's just like decoration day. If, if we're willing to make the sacrifice then it won't be begrudgingly. It won't be with resentment. Fine, God, take it. No, it'll be decorated. It'll be decorated with humility. It'll be decorated with submissiveness. It will be decorated with joy. God, you can have it. Have my life. Have what you gave me. Use me however. It'll be decorated with a trust. A trust that if God asks for something from us, he has something better in its place. Let me finish with this verse. This is a promise. Put this on the end because sacrifice is scary. I get it. We think that these things, these pineapples are so precious to us. 
That's what it says in Mark. Jesus says, mark my words. I like that. It's a mark. It said, mark my words. Okay, whatever. Mark my words. No one who sacrifices because of me and the message, me and my message will ever lose out. They'll get it back multiplied many times. Walk away with this today. What you give to God, you will never lack. If you want it to be in a safe place, put it in his hands. If you want that relationship to thrive and grow, hand it over to him, even if that means look like ending it. What you give to God, you will never lack. Let's pray. Father God, we trust you today. And God, I'm asking you right now to move to this place. And God, we look at the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. And God, right now, in this, in this moment, anyone at the sound of my voice today, if you're here, and you want to know that when, when your life is placed on that scale, that Jesus will tip that scale in your favor, that you will measure up because of what he did for you. That's a simple gift in receiving, receiving, believing that he did that for you. And all it takes is a simple yes. And I want to ask you right now, if you want that, just say yes. Say it in your mind. You can say it quietly. You can say it to your neighbor. If you are with someone and somebody brought you, tell them you just said yes. Say yes to it today. And instantly Jesus has tipped the scale for you in eternity. God, we're asking you to make us living sacrifices. Would you open our hands and release the stuff so that we can wrap our arms around you, so that we can open our arms to a world who needs to see the glory of God? God, would you empty us and fill us? We love you. And as we worship you, will we make this our prayer? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church, located in Hagerstown, Maryland. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.